What's up, everyone? We learned an important lesson this past weekend, a very important lesson, and that is never give up. Uh, for those of you that may have left uh, Championship Soccer Stadium a little bit early before the conclusion of the match or turned off their ESPN Plus or Valley Sports Stream before the match ended, you missed a great finish, and we're here to talk about that plus much more. Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm here to take you through this wonderful journey as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Let's bring him on. He's finally here on time. The man that's been part of this podcast since day one uh, from Caroline Coalition. That's Dylan. Although, I don't know, not really officially part of Caroline Coalition anymore. Are you, Dylan? Or are you still officially part of it? I, I like to think I'm officially a part of it. Um, that's how life goes. I'm, I'm happy as ever to be here and and blessed to be with friends and, and 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 family, which is what this podcast is starting to feel like. It, it definitely is. It definitely is. Uh, let's head down south into the uh, greater San Diego area, and that's where we've got Alan from San Diego sporting the Padres hat. Uh, and uh, how's it? How 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 goes it, Mister Allen? Uh, it goes. It's spring break, so uh, not a lot of teaching going on in the uh, daytime, but. Uh soccer in the evening time so i'm all about it you've got a early spring break on the calendar um is that just typical for your neck of the woods where you teach uh we got two weeks this week next week uh oh you got a two a little... week two weeks spring yeah. break look at you yeah. rolling big time I mean, here usually it's a little bit later i think it's like starts one week later but quirk of the calendar yeah my kids uh their spring break is always the first week of april we'll be heading down towards san diego mission valley to be exact uh over spring break so Maybe uh, we'll find a way to bump into each other in the Mission Valley area. Let's head up north and west to Reno. Mr. Brad, how are you doing, my man? Wow, that's an interesting introduction facially. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm i doing great today. Um, I thought when you were saying we learned some lessons, I thought it was going to be uh, in regards to time-wasting. But oh, I well, was wrong. Those lessons were learned by RGV, not by Orange County. I mean, people can you can learn lessons through other people. I guess Isn't I guess that that's what true. history I guess is. That's true. But our biggest part of this match for Orange County was not giving up, and and by all means, not giving up. And I I think this has been part of Orange County now for what the last uh you know half a season or so, coming up to where we are now, uh, is just don't give up, keep keep fighting because you never know what happens, uh, and the ball can bounce your way, and you can have an amazing player like Ugo Coley on your roster that actually knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, so let's get into, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this last match. 
uh, Orange County's first home match of the season, defending their trophy uh, at, at Championship Soccer Stadium, welcoming the RGV Toros uh, uh, to Championship Soccer Stadium. And uh, I'm going to quote, uh, not precisely quote Allen, but it was a tough one to watch for the first bit of time until, especially until Ugo got on the pitch. Uh, but uh, in the end, it went well for Orange County. Orange County comes away with a 2-1 victory. Let's talk about how this match played out. First half of the match, I'm going to go to you first, Dylan. What were your thoughts on that first half of the match uh, at Championship Soccer Stadium? Um, it's. I feel like we always have this weird problem where we can't figure out how to play against RGV. And then I also feel like we have this weird problem that's probably going to last for a few more weeks where we don't really know how to play without Ronaldo Damas or um, Robbie Kiernan. It's the... 90th through 135th that math's right right yeah 135th minutes of the season of actual competitive play so i i almost feel like keeping keeping it level through that time is is a good great kind of play for how Orange county plays at the moment and it's hard to I feel like now that we're a few seasons in, it's hard to be too critical of them this early in the season. And when we're missing um, maybe one of the best players this club's ever seen in Ronaldo Damas and a very crucial part of our back line in Robbie Kiernan. Uh, let me go over to you, Alan. Uh, what made this match so difficult for you to, to watch, at least until uh, later in the match? Uh, it just seemed like both teams weren't really trying to do anything. It was like, both teams kind of wanted to play a defensive setup. Neither team seemed terribly aggressive. Um, and when they were, it just didn't really come off. Um, essentially, like if you told me, uh, I think you can tell a neutral start at the 71st minute and just know that RGV is down a man. Like, I think from then on, I think it's a little bit more open. It's a little more back and forth. Even RGV is like more offensively aggressive. Um, and you get all three goals in that time span. You get the roller coaster of emotions. But now I just felt like the first half was. I don't want to say anyone was nervous. I think both teams were playing the way they wanted to play. Um, it was just no one was really trying to like dominate the other, right? RGV was never was RGV never was dominating the game, correct? But it wasn't like Orange County was maintaining tons of possession and it was it just seemed like none, neither team wanted to have the ball. Both teams wanted to attack and counterattack. And I think this is what you see in the back half of the game is both teams kind of going for it in a way that opens up the other team and makes it a more exciting game. Uh, I think Coley comes on and is in the right place at the right time, which that's what you want from your striker. Uh, and you have a very exciting end to the match, right? Uh, so again, start at 71st minute. No, you're up. Uh, RGV is down a man, and things start to open up, and you start to get some more attacking football out of it um, or soccer out of it. Um, ultimately, a good win for Orange County. Um, yeah, RGV is a weird team, and we saw what happened in Phoenix this past weekend. Like, weird things are happening in the USL. So, anytime you can get three points at home, like, you, you're happy. So, let me uh, talk to you, Brad, and I'll add a question to this, but I also want your thoughts on just the overall thoughts on this match. Is um, you know, the the we've now seen this since Richard Chaplow took over this club. Uh, it seems like Orange County is going to just sort of 
let the other team sort of wear themselves out for the first, you know, 50, 60 minutes of a match, maybe even 70 minutes of a match. If there's opportunities, they'll take them, but they're not going to uh, waste too much of their energy uh, in the early parts of the match. And they're just looking for that moment either where the other team just breaks down or the other team's now worn out. And now you can put that press on for the final 20 minutes. Um, is, is this a, a style of play that you think will be successful for Orange County throughout the season? And, um, or, or do you think this is something that may come back to, to bite them in the behind, uh, if they keep playing this style for a full season? I don't, don't uh, sustainable against every opponent, just because most opponents typically, uh, you know, are healthier or I don't know how to say it. Opponents are going to know how to, how to prepare for 90 minutes of action against us. Um, if, especially if we do the same thing every game. Um, but we definitely do look like a second half team. Uh, as you can tell from just the highlights, I think the official highlights start at match kickoff and the next bit of action you see is almost 56 minutes into the game. So we definitely do kind of function better off of, uh, going in at halftime and making adjustments there. So It'd be interesting to see uh, if that stays the same throughout the season. And, and, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of people that have a hard time watching these types of matches. Alan seems to be one of those where it's sort of that chess match. Um, it's just these teams trying to figure out how to break each other down, what they can do to, to sort of get past the defense of the other team, figure out ways to score. Uh, that's, I guess, one thing that I'm going to say that I, I actually see out of Richard Chaplow's Orange County teams is there's this this chess match behind it. They're not coming for the knockout blow. They're not being Mike Tyson uh, and trying to come out and, and knock you out in the first you know minute or two of, of the matches. They're uh, you know more like uh, Riddick Bowe or, or Lennox. Lennox Lewis is the better name to go with if you're going to go back to old boxers where it's just sort of that jab, 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 defense, 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 jab, 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 defense, defense, defense. And then in later rounds, as the other fighters getting tired, try for a knockout. If not go to the judge's decision and get the win because you just, uh, uh, you know, got more connections on these, these jabs that you did all match. I mean, that's really what orange County has been doing since Richard Chaplow took over and it's been successful for them. Uh, and you see numerous times and who knows, you know, whether it's gamesmanship and, clock management but you've seen multiple teams at championship soccer stadium looking exhausted toward the end of matches cramping up at the end of matches huddled over at the end of matches uh, i know we like to talk about san antonio last year and, and going into extra time san antonio just looked you know like they had no more energy left in them while orange county looks like they're ready for more and in this match we see uh probably I, I don't know if anyone's officially counted it but maybe 20 minutes of time wasting from the rgv uh, players cramping up for the final, you know, 15 minutes plus extra time of the match. Uh, almost every dead ball, it seemed like there was an RGV, RGV player on the ground. Um, I'm going to go back to you, Brad, really quick because I know you, um, in some private messages, said RGV fans have uh, a, a good argument or a good complaint about uh, that second yellow card uh, that took one of their players out of the match. I forget the player that uh, picked up that second yellow card, and I, I, I guess – just watching the stream, at least, I agree with you because it's hard to see where there's any uh, yellow warranted uh, for the actions there. Who knows? Maybe something was said off off screen or something happened that the screen didn't catch. Um, do you think that uh, 
that second yellow, which turned into a red, really impacted RGV? And do you think it would have been a different match for RGV and Orange County uh, if that hadn't ha have happened? And this is for you, Brad. Oh, sorry. One more time. He wasn't even paying attention. I'm trying. I'll to go to you, Dylan. What are your thoughts on that yeah. one? Since you were listening, Dylan, since you were paying attention to me. Man, I, I get a lot of teams don't watch Orange County. Like, if I made this make a couple years ago of watching St. Louis play Tampa Bay when I first got ESPN Plus and should have just taken a nap instead. Um, but if there's one thing you should know about Orange County and you happen to not be an Orange County fan and you're finding out for the first time, if your team goes down to 10 men against Orange County, that is the right place. You want to be in this position. You want to be a man down because Orange County loves to get super complacent the second they have a man advantage and you can strike and get a goal or two without much difficulty for some strange reason. So funny to have this complaint, um, ignoring all of the discussion about um, refereeing, which probably needs to happen. No, that's a, that's a gift for the ref to send off one of your players against Orange County because they love to ship goals then. Were you, were you at the match, Dylan? I, I was not. You were not. So in the end, we're all, it's all of us watching from the stream, uh, except for our producer, Andy, who was at the match. So I don't think the stream showed anything that would have uh, been like, oh, yeah, he deserved a yellow card in that moment. Uh, am I wrong, Alan? Did you see anything when you when you watched that stream of the match that says, yeah, give him a, a second yellow? I mean, it, for me, I looked at it, and yeah, it didn't look like there was a yellow uh, to be given in that moment, at least for the player that it was given to. Yeah, it must, it had to be from descent. Like I think you can see there's a shot where they're trying to catch who fouls. Um, but you see the Reno player in the background kind of go like and it's like it must have been like descent and very colorful descent. Um based on either that or there there's there's also the shot because it's the player that commits might have committed a foul before the foul. I don't know. It it was yeah, this is the downside of not having uh, live broadcasters in the stadium to be able to see these things. And, you know, anyone who's calling the game is only seeing what you're seeing, so they might not catch it. On, and so they're going blind as well. Um, some counterpoints. Uh, RGV is cramping up because they're defending from with 10 men. So it's not like 11 v 11. So you're running more. Number two, second, Orange it, County. Wait, 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 but, more, but I'm going to ask you this really quick, Alan. They're cramping up, but it's their offensive players that are cramping up. It's not their defenders that are yeah, cramping up. Yeah, because the offensive players are having to defend more than they would have in 11 v. 11. Uh, second point about Orange County being a second-half team, I would make an argument that the highlights start after the red card. So Orange County becomes more attacking after the red card i think if the red card doesn't happen it's a completely different match orange county managed two shots in the first half both of them outside the box like, but isn't that the way they always do it is they they, they tend to get off to slow starts regardless of you know, red cards and matches right at least under richard chaplow right which is the point of it is it sustainable and if you're getting two shots in a one half i don't think that's sustainable if you're going against a team that's going to score multiple goals only shooting twice from outside the box in one half means that you might be down a goal or two in the first half. Like if you only shoot twice and it's, they're not probably low XG shots. Um, I don't think it's sustainable. I think looking at the, the, the cup run as well, like 
those are some some very thin margins Orange County's playing with, right? It's not like if every game was a three-one Tampa Bay, then for sure, yeah. Let's let's talk about like when it mattered, they showed up and scored three goals and was like we're killer. But I think that there there are some games where you're playing on such fine margins that a a fluky bounce you're going from dominating a game defensively to having to get goals. Now, last year, Damas was the guy who bail, can bail you out. And that was always the thing, right? If you're down one goal, you're still in it because Damas could get you that one goal. Uh, this year, maybe Ugo Coley returns to form. I said, I didn't see it, but um, he can still prove me wrong. If he has games like this, you bring him on for 30, 20 minutes, 30 minutes when the defense is, uh, is more tired. You know, he might have a really good season. So I don't think it's necessarily sustainable. Um, it will, if Orange County is in the right spot at the right time at the end of the season, it could get them another cup because it's it's good cup, single knockout way to play. But over the course of a 32-game season, you're going you're gonna to lose some games that you probably could have won. Yeah, All right, fair, uh, fair point there. Uh, Brad, go for it. Yeah, I, I agree with Alan on this one. Uh, when he mentioned the the whole uh, you go down a goal or two in the first half. That's exactly what happened in Colorado Springs. We went down a goal and then early in the second half went down a second goal. And, you know, Milan Lasky had a really good goal to bring us within one, but playing catch up against a better team is never going to work. And RGV, simply put, is one of those games when we were talking preseason, uh, we etched that in as a win, no questions asked type situation. Um, but, but I do also agree with Alan. We, we still, you know, Ugo Coley stepped up this one game, but we still don't know who's going to be the next person to step up or what a traditional first 80 minutes of a game look like. Um, because if it wasn't for Ugo, we, we w- could have easily have drew or even lost that game. Uh, so it's, it'll be interesting to see if A, he starts next game, and B, if he doesn't, where does the production come from? Um, so let's say this, right? Uh, um, yes, it, they're, they're going to still figure things out. Luckily for Orange County, this is typical. They typically get off to slow starts in seasons, um, it, you know, at least in the first few matches to figure out their identity, figure out what they're going to do. Um, we're seeing Richard Chapla going with a back three for the most part. It looks like that's going to be the formation they're going to be running with. Um, this season. So it's going to take some time to get used to that. You're going to have to change your strategy because we had uh, a pacey Ronaldo Damas as our, our attacker uh, last season. Of course, we're not, we don't have that type of player this season. So you're going to be looking more at hopefully Kubo Torres can uh, figure out his place on this team. And then Ugo is going to be more of that target man, right? I mean, we saw that. Let's talk about Ugo Coley because this is like the, 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 the hero of the match for Orange County. Um, first and foremost, let me just say this. I am very, very, very upset that uh, that first goal from Ugo Coley is not a nominee for a uh, goal of the week for uh, the USL championship. Uh, just, you know, to be able to head that ball in from the position he did off of a corner uh, and get it into that precise location where the goalkeeper had no attempt. They, I mean, you watched the, uh, was it uh, Colin Miller, I believe, is the goalkeeper for RGV. If I'm getting it wrong, I apologize. But he doesn't even make an attempt at the save because he knows there's no way he's going to save it. And there's no defender that can save that unless you're, you know, a seven foot. Maybe if you're like uh, Manute Bull standing in the in the goal there and just sort of heading it away. But uh, Ugo Coley comes off the bench. 
and does Ugo Okoli things from 2000, I believe 2016 was his MVP season with USL. Um, you know, he comes in and that is an amazing header. Is anyone else as upset as I am that the Ugo Okoli first goal of the match is not up uh, for goal of the week with uh, USL or is that uh, who cares? I mean, I, I think it should have been Dylan. I I cannot speak. If I speak, I am in big trouble. I don't know if that means yes or no, but who knows? Uh, Alan, that's your a, thoughts. That's a Mourinho quote. Um, I haven't looked at the other four goals of the week. Uh, I saw one of them. Um, I would have to go look to see which one it's replacing. I mean, it's a good goal. I think it's it's a hard shot, um, but that's what you want from a near post run from your striker. You want him to be able to to take the pace of that ball and redirect it into the the far corner. Um, that that's exactly what you draw up on on the training ground, and it showed up. So it's regardless if it's nominated for a goal of the week, it's it's a should be a good one uh, to to celebrate because corner kick goals just don't happen very often. Uh, they're kind of low chance creating. Uh, opportunities so to be able to pull off one like that that was clearly worked on the training ground uh yeah tip of the cap i mean and that's it was beautiful beautiful placement and and i'm gonna let you talk about this brad but i'm gonna throw in one more question was ugo robbed by only being an honorable mention for team of the week for the usl as well um you know comes in off the bench i know he didn't play a big portion of the match but scored two amazing goals both of his goals were pretty darn amazing that header off the corner into the upper right corner of the the goal where no one can make that save i don't care if you're a premier league goalkeeper no one's making that save on that type of uh, placement on the header and that second goal to be able to blast it from that angle to the near post i I get it the goalkeeper for rgv is probably anticipating the far post but still at that angle and getting it near post uh, against goalkeeper, uh, two amazing shots. I don't care if he only played, you know, twenty minutes of the match. He should have been on, on the uh, team of the week, right, Brad? He is on the team of the week. Uh, honorable mention. What, he was honorable spot. mention. He should have been yeah. on the the the, the eleven, the, the main eleven for who, the team of the week, man. Who who do you replace him with? Because the other three I don't care. forwards. I didn't watch any of the other people. I don't even know who else is on that list. If you come in off so the bench, then you have a moot minutes, point already. Two goals to win the game. And they're not two like give me's. They're they're two really difficult shots that went into the back of the net. I mean, it has to be right. No, uh, he. There are three other people on that list, uh, all deserving of being on that list too. Uh, I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but you have a Vegas player, you have uh, Ownby out of Louisville, and you have Tejada out of uh, Tampa Bay. Um, the Vegas player. Did had any a goal of them score the, the two goals like Ugo scored against RGV? Uh, the Vegas player had a golden assist against Phoenix, and Phoenix went into the week as the number one overall team uh, according to the USL Power Rankings. Oh come um, on! You're not, Power you're, rankings you're, don't mean anything this time. You're not. Ta- you know that, Brad. It's still Power Vegas against Phoenix. You're not taking the Vegas player off. Um, Tejada had a goal and assist, I believe, versus, versus uh, uh, Indy 11. You're not replacing uh, him there. Indy's another quality opponent, even though they've lost to Luden and now Tampa. Um, and then the last one, um, Ownby had a goal and a lot of defensive uh, attributes, which is rare for uh, a striker to be mentioned 
on the team of the week for winning a bunch of duels and uh, playing good defense and whatnot. Um, and he started his game. You're not replacing Ownby either. Uh, and I don't think being, especially for 19 minutes of play, being on the honorable mention bench slot is a snub. I think it's well deserved. It and snub, I think Brad, it is I, I think I think this conversation's taking away from the uh, attributes that we should be talking about. That Seth Kasipley is on the team of the week, and he yes, deserves awesome. to be he there. Does. Uh, he does he, deserve. He played so an amazing. Ugo. He played an amazing two-way game, had the assist on the corner kick. That was a beautiful uh, pass uh, that was scored. And he played an amazing game and was recognized for it too. Both players are being recognized, in my opinion, and I think both players are where they deserve to be on the team of the week. I don't think you can have uh, Ugo getting for 19 minutes of action or replacing one of the uh, other three members there. I have no idea. The other three members, I have no idea. I didn't watch any of those matches, but I, I can, I, I'm going to go on here and I know I sometimes save some crazy things. I'm going to go on the record saying no one made the impact that Ugo made in this match for Orange County coming off the bench. And it's not like he, again, he didn't score like an easy goal and a PK or something. He scored two difficultly amazing goals to give Orange County the full three points. Uh, and, and uh, that's again, I get it. He only played what 19 minutes or whatever in this match, but it's still uh high impact 19 minutes and two very, very good goals um, on that. D uh, Dylan, I'm going to give you last word on this and then we're going to move on. He played 19 minutes. Um, I don't know if that's a slight on him. I don't think it is because we've basically seen nothing out of Cuba Torres, but if you play 19 minutes, you probably aren't going to belong on the team of the week unless you score a hat trick. And it really doesn't matter. I would love. I get know, it. It doesn't matter, Dylan. I get it. It doesn't matter that he, it, whether he's on or not. Of the show. Also, shout out to Seth Sipley because that was a good performance from him. And I know he's not sure. been super big on his attacking prowess in the past, but there's a very versatile player in there that is going to be key for us this year. And I'm I'm happy to see him absolutely ball on after missing most of last year to injury. Oh, it's, and that being awesome. said, let's talk about New Mexico. I we mean, we will we will talk about New Mexico. Um, I'm going to bring our, our our guest on. We do have a guest that's that's jumping on to join us on here, um, bam, bam, and that's bam, bam. Mr. Chris Walker from uh, does a bunch of New Mexico stuff, right? The uh, uh, is Seek and Strike still a thing and Black Diamonds and all that fun stuff, right? <laughs> Seek and Strike Collective is still a thing. We're working on some new stuff, so I'm going to slowly re-enter your feeds pretty soon. Um, we're going to talk about the New Mexico match, but I do want to talk about one thing, um, sort of the aftermath of the Orange County RGV match, just to sort of um, you know, go over this real quick, because I know this is a really hot topic. Um, first and foremost, I want to say uh, appreciation or thank you to our friends over at Down in the Valley, Edson, Jacob. Uh, if you haven't listened to their most recent episode, um, go give it a listen. Uh, I, I guess their last episode was their their most listened to episode. So let's help them out and make this new episode uh, their next most listened to episode. But um, you know, there was an incident that happened after the match uh, with Orange County and RGV involving a small group, uh, a very small portion of fans. Uh, that looks like they were RGV fans and, and it included some taunting of players, fans uh, at the stadium, front office staff, including some assaults with uh, throwing uh, trash beverages and even 
um, you know, physical assaults on some front office staff there at Orange County. Uh, I, I appreciate the guys down at down in the valley for basically calling it out and saying uh, they don't support any fans that are representing their team. Uh, doing anything like that, especially when you're an away fan at another stadium. I know Orange County fans, we do not condone condone that type of behavior from our fan group. Um, And it's something that's that definitely we don't want to see because in the end, we're all a big soccer family, whether you're from New Mexico, whether you're from RGV, whether you're from Orange County. um, The the great thing about USL uh, soccer is it's it's really, really grassroots. It's really community based and uh, I know I can speak for Dylan. I can speak for Alan and Brad. We've built some friendships because of this beautiful game of soccer. You know, the reason Brad's on this podcast is because we all went up and paid a visit to, to well, not all of us, but some of us paid a visit to the Reno guys and enjoyed it. And we had this, this, this bond because of the love of soccer, even though we, you know, Brad was supporting Reno at the time. We're Orange County fans. It was a love. Chris is a New Mexico fan. Alan's now more San Diego than Orange County, but we still all love each other when it comes to this game of soccer. Um, so it sucks that things like that were a small incident like that can cause, um, you know, some major issues. Um, the, the thing that sucks about it is social media comes into play. And sometimes uh, when you're emotional, uh, social media can be a bad thing to, to partake in. Uh, I will say this and, and Again, if anyone disagrees with me, feel free to share with it. I'm not trying to make anyone mad. I'm just this is just my own opinion. But uh, in my belief, is any time any home supporters group is going to be very defensive of their stadium, of their fans, of their players, of their staffs. So when you do see incidents, even if it's a very small group of uh, an opposing fan base uh, making young fans cry at the stadium verbally assaulting fans at the stadium, throwing stuff at players, uh, throwing stuff at uh, mascots, uh, physically assaulting front office staff of the club. You're going to get emotional. You're going to get probably a little bit over the top emotional about things like that happening. Uh, And and again, I I apologize if I'm saying this and you don't agree with me, but I I don't, I don't care. I don't know. Alan, you're in San Diego. If, If you saw, you know, what, Orange County fans down in San Diego throwing punches at your front office staff. Can you can you let me know? Would would some of your supporters probably be very upset about that and get very uh, emotional and maybe say more than they probably should have? I, I'm not excusing anything, but I'm just saying it, it's one of those instances where I think our stadiums are like our family, our friends, our home. So when someone's attacking you, you might get a little bit uh, crazy. Let me just ask you, Alan. What are your thoughts? I don't know what you're talking about, Ray. I've never heard San Diego fans give it back <laughs> when other fans are being mean and rude and disrespectful. Let me go to the, okay, let me and go to never, this example then. No, I mean what I mean what I mean is like of course, like especially at the end of a match, like especially a match like that that ends the way it ends, emotions are already charged. And so um most human beings in that state of mind are going to act versus think and then act. And that's why you have the first group of fans to begin with, right? They're not thinking they're just reacting. And that's where you get water bottles thrown at the pitch. You get pies thrown at coaches. You get like, people are going to act a fool and then people are going to not respond probably the most constructive way back just because emotions are charged. There's probably alcohol involved. Uh, high emotions and then what we'd hope is people take like a step and a beat 
and just like regain their humanity and then and then uh react but that's not gonna that's that's not reality right so you know we have to be gracious when we say things that may be hurtful um and apologize and hopefully uh you've built a relationship enough that people can can move on from from those instances and, and uh you know i i'm not trying to make any excuses because i know there was a lot of um bashing of some rgv or not of some but sort of as the rgv fan group uh as a whole because of what possibly happened or what did happen at the stadium um you know I, i'm gonna just come out and say i apologize for any generalizations that are made over things like that again uh, i i'm looking at it as it's just one of those you're in the heat of the moment it's emotional um some things were said i know um, there's been some retractions i know there's been some apologies i know that doesn't excuse uh saying um hurtful things uh wait when when these types of things happen but um in the end again all of us if you look at everyone on the screen right now only two of us are really from orange county and met at an orange county stadium the rest of us all well i guess we did meet alan at an orange county stadium but the rest of us have met from other methods other means uh where we 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 sort of our allegiances are with other teams at least to begin with i know brad's now orange county because unfortunately sadly his home uh, town doesn't have a usl team at the moment but i mean andy's the san diego guy chris is you know new mexico uh brad is a reno guy and, you know the reno guys were upset just when someone stole an orange county flag they were you know ready to go start tearing you know uh throwing down punches at people that they thought might have stole the flag so i mean it's one of those things is when you're a supporters group you 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 feel like you have to defend your stadium you have to defend defend your casual fans at the stadium and unfortunately things got blown out of proportion that's what happens with social media um so first and foremost i want to say thank you to um the guys at down in the valley because after all this happened this weekend i reached out to them and i just wanted to have a conversation with them um just sort of let them know what i knew about the incident uh and they were very willing to listen even though they had felt attacked by some of the stuff that was going on on social media um i want to apologize to rgv fans for any if any of you felt like uh any orange county fans were attacking the group as a whole um you know it, it, it ends up it was a very small incident it was a very minor uh you know a small group of people that were there cheering for RGV that, that caused this, uh, you know, we reached out to the club and basically they told us the, the incident is under investigation by the league. And that's what they could tell us on that. But again, it was a small group of, of people. When I say small, probably like three, four people that were seated uh, behind the RGV bench that were probably there as part of the, the, uh, you know, fans that are the, the friends and family that are there with RGV uh, fans. Um, uh, no indication that it was the the supporters group, the stampede that were involved in this. It was just the the fact that it was people that were there supporting or cheering for RGV that were causing the issue. Um, I appreciate the guys over at Down in the Valley for basically saying that you know that type of stuff is not accepted by their fan group. Um, and, and I will say this, you know, I, I'm not a member, an official member of Caroline Coalition. I'm just part of this group because of my podcast. But I, I'll say this: I know a lot of the people there that they don't support. Um, any kind of violence uh, against other fans, other staff members and players uh, when it comes to this. I mean, we've had uh, low dose players come right in front of Catalan Collision and taunt us. And maybe you boo them, maybe you chant at them, uh, you know, you yell at them, but you're, you know, we're not going out and 
throwing punches with some of these players when these types of things happen. And that's definitely not condoned by, I, I think any supporters group in the league, they're not condoning that type of action. Right. Uh, I'll go talk to you, Chris, like y- you guys in New Mexico, you don't condone physical violence against the other team, the other players, the other front office, the other staff, right? That's right. We don't condone it, man. Cause if you're going right. to throw food, you better throw it right in here. <laughs> so you can eat it, right? That's you got right. throw 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 me a Big Mac, throw me some uh, some chicken nuggets, so I can scarf those down and enjoy the food. Um, so yeah, so I just wanted to to take the time to just say, hey, um, appreciative and and also apologize to the RG fans that felt like um, some of the Orange County fans were coming at everyone in the hole when it was really just a couple people that made it look bad for everyone. So I apologize for that. Um. Let's do this because Chris is here and we, we brought Chris on and he had to hear me go through 10 minutes of talking about uh, uh, some stuff. Uh, Chris. Um, What's up? New Mexico, Orange County. That's going to be a, an upcoming match. Let our fans know what uh, what they need to know about New Mexico. How, how, how have things been going for the United on this early part of the 2022 season? United is 2-0. and oh. It's uh... – it's got a 2019 classic thriller kind of vibe going on right now. Uh, excitement on the pitch. We finally maybe we finally maybe figured out how to replace Kevon Freider with that of the likes of Nico Brett. Nico Brett, one goal each game so far, sitting up there with uh, Ukoli. Definitely, I think Nico Brett's trying to get a goal a game. And um, is this a, a run that you think your New Mexico United can keep? Are they going to be able to uh, maintain? I, I get it. It's two matches in a season, so it's hard to really make judgments on it. But is this uh, is this a, a legit New Mexico United team? Or do you uh, think there's going to be uh, uh, maybe this explosiveness in the beginning, but maybe some hiccups as we go through the season that might? Or is there anything that you see that scares you about New Mexico as far as them not being able to keep this up? Uh, I mean, look, like, you know, Multi-goal games is good for New Mexico. And they were definitely doing that in year one. And then it kind of was slowly tapering off, you know, as you got to, like, you know, year two and three. I mean, I feel like head coach Zach Prince is literally, like, sliding in his first chapter into, like, what was the uh, the Troy Lassane, um trilogy. He's, like, trying to go, hey, let's just take out one of those years and slide mine in there. And I feel like it's exciting to watch them. Um, you know, I think the only challenge with New Mexico that's out there maybe is how will Zach Prince deal with like the fall off at some point, right? Like that would maybe be the challenge because right now everyone's fired up. Everyone's excited. Like, like I said, there's excitement on the pitch, right? Like look at the team that they brought together. They got Tabor Itaka, who's like exciting to watch. They've got, Nico Brett, who was in the top five goal scorers the last, what, two or three years. Um, you know, you got Alexi Swy from Loose City. I mean, there's so many exciting players on there. You got a new prodigy in Carl Sainty, uh, who just got the call up to the Haitian national team as well. He's like 19 years old, first U.S. contract, you know, big, big shit, right? So, I mean, honestly, like, there's just so much excitement on this pitch right now, you know, and, and these boys are, are playing a different, different style. So I think that what we're looking at, <laughs> I think that's what we're looking at. You know what I mean? But, but uh, challenges, I mean, 
injuries, right? We didn't have Kalen Ryden in this last match, and, and and we paid for that. I mean, you saw that in El Paso's initial goal. I mean, the way that they've threaded players along the uh, the back the back third, you know, and able to slot one in like on an easy street with Dylan Morris. You know what I mean? So, but besides that. I mean, it was just back to them being resilient, scoring two goals straight on a an El Paso side that's pretty new, right? They're playing new new style of footy. Um, have you been able to watch any of Orange County's uh, matches so far this season? No, I'm actually going to watch one probably after I hang out with you dudes tonight. I was hoping maybe <laughs> we would just watch it on the after show, but uh, you know, but uh, yeah, no, I'm probably going to definitely do that. Um, you know, no cap for sure. Okay. I was just going to ask you, cause if you've watched, I want to know in your thoughts, what does New Mexico have to do or uh, what would hurt them if they're doing, but I'm watching Dylan's screen. Oh, well, I'm just seeing like bodies walk back and forth on Dilly's Dylan's screen. I think people are trying to get screen time. They think I mean, we're, we're like I mean, a, a really popular show. They're trying to get on the camera. I feel like it's well, the same. Dylan, Dylan, did, forth, say, Dylan did say a, a Tin Man OC side is where you want to be. So, I mean, I feel like, we'd be looking for the Tim Man OC side, right? Like, that's a practical answer. All right, Dylan, someone really wants to be seen on the stream because they keep walking back and forth behind you. Uh, what's what's this person's name and uh, social media so we can go bash them on social media for trying to, to jump onto your screen? Let me find that social media really quick. Keep talking to Chris. All right, let's because, dude, it's like two people just walking back. This this is now, this is stage. I can get it for Dylan. Um <laughs> Dylan's gonna find out the social media and we'll blast it so everyone can go and harass these people for uh trying to uh I guess video bomb Dylan's stream and you know, throw it. on those shades. You gotta wear those shades, man, indoors. <laughs> those shades are needed. For those of you that are not watching the live video, you're missing out on some really amazing are. content really behind Dylan right now. This is great. Like, can they get food too? <laughs> I oh, believe man. there was some beer I- drinking. I, saw I feel that. like we just need to stop. We just put Dylan's screen on full blast. He's we just put on his jacket like three times This is what I'm talking about. This is this is it oh, right here. You're missing out. If you're not watching the live stream, if you listen to us podcast form, you're missing out. So um, Dylan's friend too? just took uh, uh, at least a half a banana in one bite. Um, right behind him on the screen. So, uh, Are you like a bowl of cereal next or some ice cream. Or? I, I want to see one of your friends, Dylan, make this happen for the people that are watching. I want to see someone do like, you know, walk on their hands across behind you on, on the next time they walk back. So let your friends know that are walking. Tell that guy right there hey, that's just high fived. Tell him he needs to walk on his hands the whole way through and see if he can do it. If he could do it, we'll be impressed. There's, there's been way too many drinks have. That have been had tonight. I I don't want to watch someone try and walk on their hands, or just put shoes on their f- hands. I don't know, right? Yeah, okay. Um, anyway, I need to Um, he's going down the stairs I, now. <laughs> oh damn it! This this just turned into a horrible soccer. Um, right oh, let's talk about some soccer. CJT Powell or at Ryan Bottom. That's B O T T E M, not O M. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So blast Bottom. those guys on social media for uh, for their creativity um, in uh, Dylan's background there. I, I may have to ask you to turn off your video at some point, Dylan, because you're distracting me with this. Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about Orange County versus New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were talking about uh, walking in on our hands, uh, something, something, hashtag bottoms up. Hey, you just, you just made a new process. There we go. 
Uh, let me ask you, Alan, have you watched any uh, New Mexico matches? You know, you're part of the USL show, so you should probably have to watch I, all of these matches, right? He probably does. I, I have uh, seen New Mexico play. I thought they looked pretty bright against El Paso. I picked El Paso to win that match because uh, I liked right. what I saw against uh, Sacramento in defeat. But New Mexico's playing really well. Um, I, I think the one thing that really Chris hit on the, the offensive side, but they're kind of top third in goals, uh, expected goals for, and they're kind of top third in expected goals against, which I think is what really makes New Mexico uh, a little bit different from their previous iterations of we'll score three goals, but we'll give up three as well. I think we saw that in Orange County. Right. Uh, early on uh, when Orange County was first introduced to uh, a, Sir, a Sir Chris Weehan, I believe. Um, so, Chris, what is the team doing defensively that puts them in a better position? And I know it's two games, so the sample size is incredibly small. Right. Uh, but, you know, only giving up one goal to El Paso. Um, yeah, Black Diamonds for love. Um, yeah. Uh-uh. Diamonds what are, are we forever, seeing, Alan? Diamonds are forever. Sure. Uh, what are we seeing from them defensively that that lands them kind of in the top third of the USL in expected goals against? I mean, they're aggressive on both sides of the ball. That's what you're seeing. I mean, I mean, like Zach Brent's kind of said it, like you know, and, and it's materializing. Like they play aggressive on both sides of the ball, and they have those specialists on the pitch. So, you know, a player like Will Seymour, who currently was slotted as a center back in this last game. I mean, he's more of a, you know, in the midfield, he's like just aggressive on both sides of the ball, really good about, you know, taking ball out of possession and being able to transition uh, right away back off to the offensive side. So uh, I think when he was in center back, it was different, right? Because a little further back, but still he's, he's just good with that piece of taking the ball away. Same thing with Alexi Swy. I mean, who y'all haven't seen yet, and I'm excited for you to eventually see is a, uh, Radio Vuka. So Radio Vuka, like, you know, left left back from Congolese. He played for the Ghana Premier League team. Um, that guy is like a stud. And obviously they probably have been buying him time to get him fit and such since he's gotten out here. But, you know, the way that the numbers are being called based on injuries, I mean, he's bound to make an appearance soon. I just – I hope it will be for this match particularly because – I mean, this guy doesn't just sit back there. He's like an end-to-end type player, you know. So if he is, if he is sitting in the 18 or even say that the starting 11, I mean, you're going to see a player basically taking it to the top and looking to score a goal to it while we're at it. So I mean, Alan, just to, to go back to your your question and answer you fully, I think what what you're seeing on the the final third is you're seeing players that are very skilled in their positions. Like, you know, two years ago we got Kalen Ryden and that was a big deal. And that really like made a lot of what our defense was. But I mean, last year, arguably so Austin Yearwood had a bang up year. And so the Intete was like kind of right there as well. And now we've just added more players back there <clears throat> to where even Ryden's got to, you know, kind of step his game up some too now, you know, because the talent they pulled from, Africa is just amazing. Brad, I'm going to hand it off to you. Do you have any questions for Chris uh, regarding New Mexico? He wasn't oh, ready. I wasn't yeah. muted. Um, I was going to unmute myself like I typically do, and I wasn't. Um, I mean, 
I'm I'm looking at your guys' roster. I mean, at the beginning of the year, you guys had probably one of the one of the uh rosters I was high on. Uh, you know, just some names. What? Alex. Really? Yeah. He so was he high on your roster. Mexico's roster is actually pretty was. incredible. Yeah. No, I still am. Uh Alex Tambakis is what, a uh uh USL goalie of the year from uh, a couple of years ago when he was with North Carolina. Um you have Sergio Rivas, Will Seymour, um, a bunch of uh, former Reno players, Chris Weehan, yeah. uh, but a team that has a player of Jerome Kisavetter's talent coming off the bench uh, in certain games is a team that should be feared. Uh, that forward group is extremely talented. Um, Brett, Weehan, Nava, um, Illich. Uh, you know, what, what is something that New Mexico United needs to be working on right now? Like, what is a weakness currently with this team? Because on paper, they're stacked, but, you know, you seem to have some reservations about the team yourself. I mean, currently, I think it's just players playing out of position, right? I mean, obviously, like, that's just maybe the only thing that that has to be worked on. I mean. Kalen Ryden's injured, so we'll see Morris playing center back, right? He doesn't typically play there. He play, I mean, he plays, obviously, in the center of the pitch, so it's a little further back. But the responsibilities are, are a little different, right, at this point. He's essentially playing a little bit of that sweeper role. Um, so I think that maybe that's the only thing is, like, he's just got to get more time there because if Kalen Ryden's out any, more, any longer, you know, then they're going to have to kind of analyze that. Now, Josh Suggs was also – out too, so that you know doesn't help you because Josh Suggs, you know, could play left back, could play, you know, that center back role as well. So it's just it's just options, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, I was just looking at this thing like the pre match injury report last. So Austin Yearwood, Suggs, Kalen Ryden, that's like three big players for that back line that you know currently out. I mean, that kind of limits the options, you know. Radio Vuka is like someone you could throw in the back line. Sam Hamilton is someone you can throw in the back line, right? So, um, you know, so like ultimately, that's that's it. You know, it's just it's just going to be more more time for these guys to just kind of rotate in those positions, and, and ultimately, um, once they get that solidified, it'll be good. But you know, everything else is is tip top for the moment. Oh, there's a call. Do it. Do it, Dylan. Dylan that's what Dylan's famous for cuz you it, know Dylan. the you know Tampa Bay at you yep. know what we saw. Um let no, me ask you this uh, Chris. Keep it on. What um as Orange County fans, if we're watching this match sure. uh and we're watching maybe the first 30 minutes, what do we see in this match from New Mexico that gets us excited that we can actually uh walk out there with the full 3 points? Like what uh what is New hey, Mexico doing in those first 30 minutes that shows that they're not going to play a, a great match? Rephrase. Wait. So you're you're asking me like what? Orange. County so what 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 mistakes do we see from New Mexico that okay. are good signs for Orange County in that first like third of the match? If New Mexico goes down a guy, I mean maybe like <laughs> you're looking at. Well, like, according to Dylan, that's a good sign for New Mexico. But you know, I mean, I mean it, you know, if 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 New Mexico goes down a guy, um, maybe pigs fly. 
I mean, because I couldn't even say, like, oh, if Nico Brett gets a card because the guy plays well. He plays smart. You know what I mean? So, like, like some of these players can play with the yellow for, like, the whole match, right? Because they're not necessarily, like, you know, they, they just clean players. They're experienced. Um, no, nah, I just – I just think that like it's going to be a matter of like if if we're short a guy, um, if anyone's not having a game, maybe if you could hold Nico Brett off of getting a goal, you know what I'm saying? Like I I think it's those things. Or if you can walk into the house and score a couple goals, but you don't have Domus, so like you know, so that right there makes New Mexico fans really happy that you don't have Domus. Like that announcement. Could it have come any sooner in progression to like when this match was, you know? Well, we got Ugo <laughs> so, and Kubo, man. So you got to be scared of those two. Uh, yeah, but you know, look, We Hand's revenge, dude. Like, look, We Hand is about like this is going to only be that game now because We Hand hasn't turned up just yet. You know, like they're playing so good on the pitch together. So I mean, like I said, Orange County fans, like, look, you're happy if. You can figure out how to stop Nico Brett, Tabor Ataka. You know, you can get a couple goals and maybe you get awarded one at the spot somehow. You know, those are the things you're looking for, like a score, you know. But uh, looking at the El Paso match that I was just in El Paso like a couple days ago, them getting that first score, okay, that was kind of crazy. But, you know, we were able to answer with two, so... You know, you know, be 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 concerned if there's no New Mexico fans in the stadium or something like that. Then you guys might be able to get some scores. Um, Chris, speaking of El Paso, they played a more open game than the last few years under. Right. Um, now I'm blanking of his name, Mark Lowry. Um, yeah, <laughs> Orange County is obviously not going to do that. So, as much as you've as much as you've spoken highly of the revenge of Chris Weehan, who we saw at an Orange County game in the playoffs, enjoying himself and saying hello. Um, <laughs> is there enough attacking potential to break down a back five and, and get two goals in to keep Orange County out of this one? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Tabor Itaka and Nico Brett, I mean, alone, those two just want to get on the board and, if, I mean, if you go back and, and watch the El Paso match, I mean, or even watch the Lights match for that matter, I mean, Itaka is, like, literally just hungry for it. Like, just trying to get in there. Plus, you got to think about Justin Portillo, who's, you know, obviously nabbing a couple of assists. You know, he's been very instrumental in a couple of the uh, the goals that have been scored. Got to remember the wingers, Daniel Bruce and Harry Swartz. Swartz is healthy again. So I mean, you got you got flight on the sides of the pitch too. So it's it's this New Mexico side is just so different. Like I'm saying, it's it's 2019 excitement, you know. And I I just think that what we lost last year was we lost excitement. We you know we we grabbed players that hit, were good. We grabbed Brown or Romeo Parks. They were good players, but they were being used out of position, right? They were being used like more like a ten, like hold up play and it was they weren't getting to play you know out in front like they like to so this new mexico side is different i mean i'm excited about it because you know 
when you you stick by your team, but like they were playing so different last year, you know, and, and I think that Zach Prince is sliding into he has a lot of continuity with the players, but Itamar, the director of player personnel who was the scout for New Mexico for a while, right? He was a player agent, is basically working for the team and has brought in all this international talent that Zach Prince wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. So that has really shaped New Mexico to being like a competitor now. So let me just say this, what better chance or what better opportunity for New Mexico to get their first loss than uh, against the defending champions. Um, And maybe uh, tell Chris Weehan that we still love him out here. So maybe he'll go easy on uh, Orange County. I mean, look, you know, everybody loves an orange, but I mean, here, here's a, here's a question for you, right? Like, I mean, I mean, like I think I threw this out there. Maybe maybe Brad knows it. Like the difference between maybe you guys should all know this by now. The difference between a California orange and a Florida orange. What is the difference? You guys should know this. One's from the west. One's from the east. No, I mean, but, well, the, wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me I'm wrong when I say one's from the west, one's from the east? You asked what the difference was. I told you. I think I'm right. Right. I mean, it's true, but you know that they don't only use the ones from the West in the Orange Bowl, right? I mean, they use the ones from the East, too. These both. <laughs> hey, I was right. I just know my, my answer was right. Look at that. Whoever said that, whoever put that out there, that person needs to win something from your show. That, you that, guys, was, our, you guys... that was our Googling uh, producer, producer himself. No, Andy, you don't get to win win nothing. See, this is, you know, here at the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, we have a producer that can go look up that stuff while we're just being goofy on screen, unlike a lot of other podcasts around the USL. We actually have a producer that can do all that fun stuff for us. Hey, but no joke, though. I I mean, we are looking forward to this game. I mean, like, defending champions. Oh, we are, too. We are, too. Defending champions, like, I do love how you guys came around to win it when you were counted out because everything fell apart. And then all of a sudden you just got yourself in position and won the game. And that's awesome. So we're looking forward to it, but we just want it to be a match. I think. Yeah, no, we're excited about it. And and hopefully orange County comes out to uh, Albuquerque and uh, gets the full three points there. Let's do this. Let's talk about uh, predictions here. I think that's what Brad's trying to type in the chats. Predictions. I predicted this podcast will last longer than an hour. Uh, you're 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 pretty good there, Al. That's a that's a pretty bold statement there. Um, our predictions here for the uh, match between Orange County and New Mexico. Before we do that, we got to get to our standings. Early in the season standings for the Orange and Black Soccer Cast game oh. picks uh, and. You know, at least for the host of the show. Well, look at that. Who's in first place? Obviously, yours truly. First place. You're welcome. Points. I've been good so far this uh, this season. Thank you. Hey, you, you gave me some points there, Alan, uh, the first match. But if you look at that second match, I actually predicted and I got seven points out of it. So I'm pretty darn good. Wow. Um, we'll uh, we'll get Chris's prediction and we'll. uh sort of keep track of it, but uh, we're going to figure this out. So I'm in first with 11. Um, I'll, I'll go first with my prediction for this. I'm going to say 2-0 Orange County in this match uh, against New Mexico. 2-0 for Orange County. Uh, let's go. Who's uh, next in the order? Brad, what is your prediction for this match? 
I have I have my uh, shot of Malort prepared for uh, predicting this. I'm gonna say uh, two one uh, New Mexico. Ooh. Let's see that shot now. You got it. You got it. You you take it. We need that shot. We got to see. Take that shot of Malort. Take all of it. Drink it slow. Chris, have you ever drank Malort? Yes, I have. Okay. Okay. So then you know the pain. You know the pain with drinking that stuff. It's tire Um, grease. Alan, what's your prediction? I was going to say what Brad said 2 1 New Mexico. And Dylan. I'm going to go with 1 1 because the draw is in the blood of New Mexico. Nope. Just (laughs) kidding. It's in the the blood of Troy Lesesne, but that's the past. It's funny for the draw. Chris, what is your prediction? Um, I'm gonna say three one New Mexico. And I, I, don't, do those five I don't do those five. I don't do I those say five. You nil are things. wrong, Chris. There's no way to three one. I don't do those five nil Ray picks anymore. <laughs> hey, I I can't do those while I'm while I'm in an early lead in this this game here. If it, I'm actually winning right now, so I gotta actually take it seriously uh, before we do that. Uh, fans, throw in your predictions so we can keep track of them. As you can see. Uh, Brad has been keeping track of a lot of these predictions um, as we go through the season. So that way we can share those. So um, if anyone wants to agree with Chris, because you think Chris is a great expert for New Mexico, uh, go for it. But I don't think anyone is, is agreeing with you. Chris. No one's going to agree with me. Hey, do you remember when I literally two of us agreed with them? That's true. No, he said three, one, he said three, one Mikey. Yeah. I'll send you a sticker. I love it. I love it. It's good stuff. (laughs) Uh, If you have predicted, if you have predicted in the comments, I have recorded your score. You don't need to remind me later this week. I, so, I do have so a... what we will say right here, Chris, Orange County is going to win this match. I'm telling you this right now. I am Ooh. telling you this right now. All right? So just know that uh, next time we have you on the show, I'm going to come back and I'm be like, I told you so. I told you so, Chris. Orange County is winning this match. Um, we got to wrap things up here. That. We're running out of time. We went too long. And see, <laughs> I make that comment, and then I don't let Chris respond. That's the type of person I am. Right, right. Let, um, let, me, let me just insert myself in here. Hey, nope, Mikey, nope, nope, nope. Mikey, send your address to the Black Diamonds account. I'll send you some stickers. <laughs> um, let's do this. Uh, random thoughts, or actually, before we get to random thoughts, any other soccer thoughts anyone has before yeah. we get to random thoughts? I, why Chris is here? They announced that. Um, the Curse and Black Diamonds are hosting are hosting the uh, Independent Supporters Council. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So, like, shout out. Go next year. Shout out to the Curse and Black Diamonds. And Black Diamonds also got a shout out on uh, one of the. I think it was the El Paso match. Yeah. Uh, Black Diamonds please. got a shout out uh, for. Shout out. Yeah. So getting some love for Chris Walker and the group please out there. Um, I, I support. I, I rep his T-shirt from time to time. Uh, not every day because I mean, you got to wash it. So I can't wear it every day. But uh, yeah, follow uh, Black Diamonds um, and go to New Mexico for the International Supporters Council. Come get your, when it, when get is your this, Chris? Or what is this, Chris? T- tell our listeners that don't know what this is. The uh, what support. it is? I mean, it's a, a collective of supporter groups from. MLS, USL, um, NWSL, NPSL. I'm sure there's even other ones that are coming up too. And it's just a, a collective network of supporter groups, essentially just coalition, if you will. And, you know, essentially it's just good networking. So if you've got a group and, you know, you've got 
your members, you know, you might want to look into uh, ISC. They have a lot of resources. Um, luckily for me, I was able to really talk to a lot of folks when we were starting up to kind of get ourselves going. But ISC is like a uh, accelerator for starting your supporters group and for maintaining it. And they have a lot of best practices and best methods on how to fundraise and, you know, just how to maneuver supporters culture and what, what sort of things to stay out of, you know, so you don't get too lofty or too ambitious, you know, and find yourself, you know, hemmed up or club funded or anything weird like that. So, uh, you know, ISC is, is, that's the thing. So got to give my shout out to ISC. They're like the, uh, they're like the, the death row of, of supporter culture. So we'll put it like so that. They're, what, what is it now? I, I'm not hip on current culture. Um, what Snoop Dogg did with the Death Row record label, like took it NF, NFT is what he did to to the label. So basically, I, I don't get how that all works. So so um, this is like, I would say that uh, they're like pre whatever that, they're like pre NFT of Death Row. But, you know, if you want to go where folks aren't dancing all up in your videos, you got to go to ISC. That's just what it is, you know, so. <laughs> Oh, coming with the Suge reference there, Chris. I love it. Um, and, and I don't think many people got that reference, but I did. I got it. I, I understood that reference. Um, let's uh, let's go here. I have one last question, soccer related, that I want to ask you guys. Um, there was some uh, uh, debates on social media. I guess some uh, some guy from the that runs the American Outlaws in Atlanta decided that uh, they didn't agree with the Atlanta United supporters doing a watch party for the USL national uh, U.S. national team. I guess um, is is what are our thoughts on that? I, I think that's a stupid argument. I mean, I I, I get why people don't want to hang out with the American Outlaws, uh, but uh, is why would someone care? I mean, if you want to watch soccer with your supporters group instead of the Outlaws, by all means, go do it. Does anyone have any? Does anyone agree with this guy from Atlanta that uh, decided that he's going to call out the Atlanta United supporters group for doing their own watch party? It's like this dude like types on his Twitter and he did it like without the sound on. You know what I mean? Like, like he was just had this thought and he was just like, mm. "Oh wait, I press send." You know, this is just a bad take all around. I mean, like I thought about the other day. Like we we watch Afcon with Black Diamonds, right? Now obviously no one else is trying to watch Afcon, so I guess like if I were trying to make a shout, I'd be like, "Oh, like you know, am I worried that like?" American outlaws don't watch AFCON. Absolutely not because they don't watch AFCON. Right? I mean, so it's just what it is. Right. But yeah, this, this dude, just a bad shout all around. I mean, if folks wanted to get together with their supporters groups and watch it, it's all good. They, that's, that's their crew. It's who they hang with. Right. Like some people want to avoid certain aspects, certain atmospheres. And obviously that's what, what was happening. But yeah, this, this dude, I thought, honestly, I think that like, to go out and implicate a supporters group and to say something like, Oh, the group that pretends to be Atlantic culture. I thought, bro, that's a chin check. Like literally like you're lucky that you didn't say that close to anybody in the group. Because, like, <laughs> there's just no way he can walk that back. Like, he is forever that guy. And I just can't wait for the day when that all circles 360. And I get it. There's some listeners of our podcast that may be American Outlaws uh, members, but uh, I, I I can totally understand why some people don't want to be part of that culture um, from some of the things that we see from that group um, in the stands uh, at, 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 you know, on social medias and stuff like that. And again, it's, you know, if, if I want to hang out with 
uh, Dylan, Brad, Alan, Chris, and we want to say we're, you know, USL podcast supporters group to watch a game. Are we going to get attacked by some local uh, AO uh, leaders and say, hey, how dare you do that? Come watch with us instead. I mean, I, I think Alan wanted to say something really it's quick. It's like timeless like, people in their watch party. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was going to say, it was that second tweet that got me. It was like, that took it from inappropriate to like just downright like borderline anti-black. Like that's the way it seemed. Like, yeah. oh, they're about the culture. And so I know that that's like, you know, you have the podcasts that come out of, uh, you know, the southern area of the United States, you know, you have for, for the culture, the two cents, like those guys, like they're all about that. And like to to yeah. say it that way was really like, maybe there's a reason why those supporters groups don't go to that AO chapter and support a men's national team in that community. Like you heard it to be like, Oh, not LAOs. Right. Or, but it's like, yeah, but it's that one. And that one is the one that's creating the problems. And uh, it was just, it was a gatekeepy out of the gate. And then it was that second tweet that was just like, I'm just going to dig myself the biggest hole and crawl into it. Cause like say what you will, like to say that about Atlanta, I think is is really problematic. Um, well, because it's like it's like this. It's like okay, like I'll go back to the Afcon reference. Like no one watched, no one was showing Afcon here in New Mexico, right? But I was like, let's watch Afcon, right? Because it's great soccer. Why it Afcon shouldn't just be a uh, oh Salah's gone this week because he's playing for his AFCON team. I guess I won't watch any soccer. It's like, no, you should watch AFCON because AFCON's dope and it's also great footy as well. And so here it is, like, if other people next year show AFCON because we were showing it and they're like, wow, AFCON is actually really good, then I'm happy that other people are showing AFCON because there's more places for people to watch AFCON. And that's the whole idea of supporters groups or anyone throwing a watch party for something that's of a niche interest is that it's supposed to spread you know and if you still are the only one showing it and everyone comes to you that's cool but i would love for someone 40 minutes away to show it too because maybe those people don't want to drive 40 minutes to come watch it dude yeah no that totally makes sense i mean we've thrown watch parties the podcast for orange county matches and i would have had no problem if another group or the supporters, or, you know, Caroline coalition, or if the club wanted to throw an official watch party, I'm still doing my watch party. I don't care. It's more people watching orange County. It's more people watching AFCON. It's more people watching us soccer uh, in, in the big picture. And that's really what it comes down to, right? You want more eyes on this because the only way the sport grows is if you get more eyes uh, and you're getting more stats and more people watching uh, this on, on, on the, the streams on, on network TV, wherever it's being broadcast, if you get more televisions tuned in, then we're going to get more opportunities to watch this. The, the networks aren't going to say, oh, no one watched AFCON. No one watched Orange County. No one watched U.S. soccer. So let's stop showing it. Um, the more views you get, the more people you get interested, it's going to happen. And the only way you grow that is by you know, knowing that I don't have a monopoly on the watch parties. It's, it's anyone can have a watch party anywhere uh, you know, obviously you have to have the licensing rights and whatnot, but I mean, look at the chicken so. sandwich, right? The chicken sandwich <laughs> has great acclaim. Everyone's got a chicken sandwich and, and now everyone's got, got the hot honey chicken sandwich. Now that's the new thing is that hot honey. 
and everyone's got everyone's got a fish sandwich during Lent. So what's up? There we go. Um, random random thoughts. We got to do quick random thoughts here because we're way past our time. So I'm going to go to Brad first because I haven't heard your voice in a while. Brad, random thought from you. Quick, go. Yeah, um, East versus West matchups. Uh, Memphis beat Oakland Roots this week, so it's now one one East versus West. Uh, each division has a win. Three games this week. Uh, Wednesday, Tulsa versus San Diego. Saturday, Birmingham, Colorado, and Las Vegas, Memphis. There we go. Dylan, random thought from you. Uh, what a joy to have a bunch of people on the podcast. Um, but always, always a joy to have Chris on here. And um, while we didn't get to discuss as much fun stuff as we normally do, I mean, will. it's going to get better. Yeah, I can't wait. It doesn't get better than Chris Walker in the USL universe. Ooh. No disrespect. Well, well, We'll definitely have Chris back on this show, even when it's not a New Mexico match, because Chris has always been a great part of uh, uh, what we've done. Um, I know last playoffs he jumped on when we, uh, I think, played Colorado Springs in the first round. He jumped on to help preview some of that stuff or, or oh, whatever yes, did, or yes. who knows, whenever it was. Chris is an awesome guy, and he's a fellow Clippers fan, so I got to always right. invite him back. He's, right. he's, got a, he's got an open invitation to jump on here because he's a Clippers fan. Alan, random thought from you. Uh, I'm playing Halo, uh, the Master, Master Chief edition. So it's like all of the Halos in order. Oh, so the, the like remastered collection of Halo. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So if you haven't played Halo in a while, go play Halo. Now, I got to ask you, Alan, have you done where you can switch it back to like what the original looked yes. like? Yes. What the remaster, remaster looks like? I'm like, yeah, I would, I would go back and forth. That looked good when, when I was younger and played the original Halo. It looked so damn good. And then, you know, looking at it now, you're like, damn, that's what it looked like. All that there was one, there was one wonderful game. There was one scene where I was like, is this, which one's which? Cause they're like, some of the old stuff actually looks pretty darn good. Uh, but I also like to play old video games. So, yeah. So you play burger time then, right? <laughs> you said you like to play old video games. Chris knows that reference to burger time. He even knows I, that game. I could tell from that chuckle. Chris, you played old. burger time, right? Do you still play it? I don't still play it, but okay. I've played it before, and I wanted burgers when I played Burger Time. Oh, that was like my favorite game as a kid when I'd go to the – when I saw that arcade, that was the game I was picking and playing with. Mine was uh, like Paperboy. Paper, was it Paperboy? Paperboy was amazing too. Burger yeah. Time was good, and then Root Beer Tapper was one of my other favorites that I liked. Speaking of, speaking of Paperboy, Atlanta on uh, uh, Donald Glover's Atlanta comes back this Thursday on FX. All right. If you haven't seen I've, Atlanta – you are I missing it. I'll out. have to watch it. I oh, you need it. to watch it. I will. I will. Chris, random thought from you. I've owned an air fryer for a year and a half. I just started using it the other day because my girlfriend was in town and she wanted to use it. So we had made egg rolls, burgers, hot dogs, pancakes. Um, well, so we made this thing. Oh, don't put any cheese on for that one minute because the cheese just disappears. And don't put shoestring fries in there because they will fall through all the slots. But an air fryer, if you own you one have, it's, and it's been sitting on your counter for a year and a half, use it because it's so good. you have one of the ones with like just the racks or is it like the baskets? It's the it's the baskets. It's the Ninja XL air fryer. Okay. It's like, I, I have a similar one. Uh, do you eat salmon? Do I eat salmon? Salmon. You mean salmon, right? Yeah, salmon. Yeah, I eat salmon. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll I'll send you an amazing air fryer recipe for salmon. Um and, and you could try it out. Let me know what you think. I'll, I'll okay. send it to you your way. I'll send you one for salmon too. 
but but Salmon is way better. Um, my random thought is thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. I apologize for us going way longer than we normally do, but I appreciate you for listening. Uh, I want to thank our guest Chris out. Walker uh, for joining us this week, yeah. and of course my normal uh, co-host Alan, Brad, Dylan, and, and always those listeners that listen to us live and comment and participate with us. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, this is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Oh, Johnny, you are my team, my team.